Who made the world? Who made the world? Who made the swan and the black bear? Who made the grasshopper? This grasshopper, I mean. This, this grasshopper, I mean. The one who has flung herself out of the grass. The one who is eating sugar out of my hand. The one who is moving her jaws back and forth instead of up and down. Who is gazing around with her enormous and complicated eyes. Now she lifts her pale forearms and thoroughly washes her face. Now she snaps her wings open and floats away. I don't know exactly what a prayer is. I do know how to pay attention. How to fall down into the grass. How to kneel down in the grass. How to be idle and blessed. How to stroll through the fields, which is what I have been doing all day. Tell me, what else should I have been doing? Doesn't everything die at last and too soon? Tell me, what is it you plan to do with your one wild and precious life? Why are we here today? Why are, I mean, this is a rhetorical question. There's not a... I'm not going to take notes. Why are you, why are you here today? <clears throat> I've talked to a few of you. You were drugged here today. You, you didn't have a choice. What a frightening question to ask. Such a challenging question to try to answer. Why are you here today? Why are we here? Yes, I want to get existential for a moment. Certainly many of you will say, it's tradition. Boy, that's the truth. For how many years has it been our tradition to gather in this place? To go to church? You may say to, to, to worship, that's why I'm here. It's a handful of places in scripture where God is sick of our worship. It says, isn't the type of worship the type of worship that I'm longing for the one where creation and humans are loved so much that we break chains. We give ourselves for the lives of the oppressed. I 
Maybe you would simply say uh, to learn. That's why I'm here, to learn. I struggle with this one personally. I've gone to church my whole life. Have I not learned yet? There are a few things I've done this often in my life. I'm in some ways glad that I'm still learning. And then in other ways, when I hear songs like the one this morning, I'm a little frustrated that I'm still learning. Because I should know that they'll know we are Christians by our love. I should, I should have learned that. I'm still learning. Why are you here again? A lawyer approaches Jesus and says, uh, Teacher, what do I have to do to gain, inherit eternal living? That's one of the grand questions. If you can give me a list of what I have to do to gain eternal living, that would be helpful. And Jesus responds, well, what, what have you learned? You've been going to church for the last 40 years. What's the answer? Do I have anyone's attention? It's okay. By the way, Ezra and I are wearing the same thing today. <laughs> oh, there, my, there, where'd my jacket go? There it is. <laughs> That's what happens when I put it in the dryer. Jesus, what do I have to do to, to finally make it? What does Jesus say? You've learned? What's the answer? You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul. Those two are different somehow. With all of your strength, with all of your mind. And love your neighbor as you love yourself, which is Often the other forgotten commandment there, love yourself. They'll know we're Christians by the ways that we love. <clears throat> why have I gathered here? Why, why, why are we here? Jesus, what do I have to do? Love. But not in a flashy, superficial, sugar-coated blazing Roman candle type of love. Love with all of your soul. Every bit of your mysterious existence. Love with all of your heart. Every bit of charity 
that you can offer up, every bit of selflessness. Love with all of your mind. Do the hard intellectual work. And love with all your strength. When it hurts, every bit of grit and determination that you have in you to bend and kneel down and pray and love. Nah, it sounds too hard. I know that's the answer, but I don't do it that often. Our poet today is inviting us to pay attention. Do I have your attention? Why are you here? Uh, Mary Oliver, who uh, was born in 1935 and died recently, this year, uh, uh, January 2019, I, I think is in many ways you know, the, the poet laureate of, of this last century. Um, award-winning poet, accomplished writer. When, I, uh, when people ask about where to begin when it comes to reading poetry, which is a really difficult question to answer, um, I do typically suggest to Mary Oliver. Um, truly just an amazing scribe of the ordinary. I'm always so frustrated sometimes when I hear Mary Oliver poems because I've missed the grasshopper. I've stomped on it. I'm not contemplating who made the swan and the black bear. I'm frustrated that too many people are wandering through the fields, kneeling in the grass, and not enough are praying. I think it's interesting that the text I read to you from the Gospel of Luke, what do I have to do to truly live, is the preface to a story about a good Samaritan who is the only one who paid attention to someone who was dying. Once, twice, three times, people walked past, didn't, didn't notice. And then someone paid attention. Mary Oliver's work is often inviting us to pay attention. And if there's one thing I can encourage you to do today, it is simply that. Pay attention. I'm not going to tell you what you have to pay attention to. But open your eyes. In order to love God and yourself and our neighbor with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength, it's going to need your attention. You're going to need to be aware of your neighbor, that they even exist. In order to love yourself, you're going to need to be aware of your body, what you are feeling and what you've been too busy to feel. In order to love God, as the theologians of the last 2,000 years have been telling us, you're going to have to notice creation. 
This grasshopper, I mean. If you can't, you're going to forget that creation is meant to just be an icon to God. We'll look for God elsewhere and may struggle. Can you pay attention? All of us have this one wild and precious life, which to me is such a frightening thing to realize. You have this life. And what have you been called to do with it? Allow me to read this one more time. This is the poem, The Summer Day, by Mary Oliver. Who made the world? Who made the swan and the black bear? Who made the grasshopper? This grasshopper, I mean. This grasshopper. This grasshopper. The one who has flung herself out of the grass. The one who is eating sugar out of my hand, who is moving her jaws back and forth instead of up and down, who's gazing around with her enormous and complicated eyes. Now she lifts her pale forearms and thoroughly washes her face. Now she snaps her wings open and floats away. I don't know exactly what a prayer is. I don't know exactly what a prayer is. I do know how to pay attention. How to fall down. Down into the grass. How to kneel down in the grass. How to be idle and blessed. How to stroll through the fields. Tell me, what else should I have done? Doesn't everything die at last and too soon? Tell me, what is it? What is it? What is it you plan to do with your one wild and precious life? I've been so moved by those words of Mary Oliver's because time and time again, I, I hear that message repeat in the Gospels, in the New Testament. Go. Change. Live. Let go. And if we were honest to the Christian message, die. We had a season here at the church called the, the, the way up is down, where we looked at these stories of Jesus which are regularly calling us to a form of death. Now listen, we understand that death isn't always just bodily death. We're literally in the season of fall where leaves are dying and then they fall. Sometimes it can be easy to forget that death is all around us and within Christian theology we can forget that death is resurrection. Death is life. 
to be able to die to the self, as the Bible would say, to be able to let go is often the beginning to new life. Think of all the people that wanted to follow Jesus and the invitation that Jesus offered to them to begin by dying in some way, by letting go. And time and time again, we see from those stories that the people found it really challenging to follow Jesus when that was the invitation. You are mostly older than me. I'm looking at you, Ezra. You're likely more familiar with death than I am. But death is life. We know that. And as we face our deaths, which is such a common part of Christian theology, to remember death, even when it comes to Jesus, to remember the death so that we might have life. Often we've just grown too uncomfortable or simply too weary to find the life in death. So friends, I know that you are in a season of death. You're preparing to move away from the house where you've lived for so long into a place that is unfamiliar and it will feel like both a new life and a death. You are seeing parts of your body grow tired and break, get sick. You are experiencing some of death. Loved ones in your life are growing and changing as are you. And along with that, along with that new life comes a letting go, a a, a change, which will feel at times like a death. One of the things that I appreciate about the work of Mary Oliver is that often her work invites us to Just name some of those forms of death and also reclaim how it can be a gateway for living instead of being caught off guard. Where did all this death come from? But instead, you know, greeting it. This is a poem called In Blackwater Woods. Look. The trees are turning their own bodies into pillars of light, are giving off the rich fragrance of cinnamon and fulfillment. The long tapers of cattails are bursting and floating away over the blue shoulders of the ponds. 
And every pond, no matter what its name is, is nameless now. Every year, everything I have ever learned in my lifetime leads back to this. The fires and the black river of loss whose other side is salvation. Whose meaning none of us will ever know. To live in this world. To live in this world, you must be able to do three things. To love what is mortal. To hold it against your bones, knowing your own life depends on it. And when the time comes, to let it go. To let it go. A man asks Jesus, what do I have to do to follow you? Someone comes up to Jesus and says, boy, I really want, I want this to be my life. Jesus says, let's go. One time a, a man responds, first, let me go bury my father. Jesus says, let the dead bury the dead. Someone else says, I, I still have a half of a field to plow. Jesus says, no one who sets their hand to the plow, looks back, is fit to leave now. We really struggle with letting go even if it means new life. And yet, even in the Christian tradition, it's intended to be built into our very season that we go through an advent, a birth, and then a death, and then a New life. So seasons, seasons of life and death, just like the season we're in now, by which I mean fall. Let me read this one more, one more time. Look, just look around you. Look, the trees. The trees are turning their own bodies into pillars of light giving off the rich fragrance of cinnamon and fulfillment. The long tapers of cattails are bursting and floating away over the blue shoulders of the ponds. And every pond, no matter what its name is, is nameless now. It's gone. Every year, everything I have ever learned in my lifetime leads back to this the sort of fire and the black flowing river of loss of having to let go whose other side is salvation whose meaning none of us will ever know 
To live in this world, you must be able to do three things. To live in this world, you must be able to do three things. To love what is mortal, what will pass. To hold it against your bones, knowing your own life depends on it. And when the time comes, to let it go. To let it go.